Welcome to the conversation. This is the AEC Disruptors Podcast, and I'm your host, Christopher Riddell. Sustainability has been a buzzword for a long time. With a growing concern around climate change and industry initiatives like the 2030 Challenge, we continue to see companies push to be more environmentally conscious. Today's guest certainly has a passion for being sustainable and helping push the industry forward. I'm very excited to have the chance to speak to Sandeep Ahuja. In 2019, she was named to Forbes 30 Under 30 list, and she's the co-founder and CEO of Cove Tool. It'll be great to see where she sees things moving in 2020. Let's get to it. Venmo has made it so easy to like hang out with friends. It really has. It's just so straightforward. It's like just, you know, you do everything. Just tell me who I need to pay what and I'll be there. Have you ever used the app Splitwise before? I have not, but I've heard about it a ton. I hear it, it's also super convenient. It is very cool. I had never used it, um, but some friends of mine, we all went to Asheville and we stayed in the cabin and everyone was paying, you know, whatever, tons of stuff. And Splitwise, you just add people, you pay, you put what you paid, and then it automatically divides it up amongst the group and tells everyone what they owe. And it That's links super convenient. Convenience is the, is the key anymore, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, because everybody, nobody really wants to do all that math, gosh. It's no, I think not at all. <laughs> I, I feel like I struggle in the most basic math now because... <laughs> Even, you know, it's one of those things that even when you know the answer, it's like, I'm just going to make sure this is right. <laughs> we pull out a calculator. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Might as well, right? Hey, that's what, that's what technology is for. It is making our just life to make better. make sure that we're sure. Yeah, better and harder. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, oh, so we're going to kick it off. We're going we're gonna to make an awesome podcast, and then everybody's oh, yeah. going to be like, oh, gosh, I wish I should have gone then. Now it's I all booked. Know. I know. <laughs> Hey, that, that's, that's what it takes. It's all about pushing hard. And I, gosh, being, a, being an entrepreneur, I know everything about that. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and that's also some of the stuff I really want to get from you is talk about that type of stuff. Um, again, I, I more just want to have a conversation. You know, there's a couple things I want to make sure we kind of hit over the course of all this. Uh, but again, it's really, it, we'll take it wherever it takes it. Um, and so kind of where I want to really dive in very first, and, and I thought about reaching out to you again, right after I saw you post about your 30 for 30, um, which yeah, I think is super, super cool. cool. I want you to talk a little bit about that. Um, it's too late for me. I didn't get to do that, but when I was 30, so I have to <laughs> wait till like 30 for 35 for 35, but tell me a little bit about, you know, how did that come about? Just everything to do with that 30 for 30 list. Yeah, for for me, it was actually super surprising because I did not nominate myself. It was one of my teammates. They nominated me, so I, I didn't even know. And, of course, when I found out, I was super excited, like you would expect for yeah, everybody. Because oh yeah. um, it's pretty significant. And it, it didn't really hit to me quite how incredible and significant it was until I started meeting all the other people that were under the Forbes 30 under 30 and um, getting to interact with them and learning about how awesome they are. And it just really opened a whole lot of doors that I didn't really know and gave me the privilege to meet a lot of really cool people. And to, to be honest, it was also super humbling. I mean, it had over 15,000 nominations and to kind of be named alongside some of these really heavy hitters. Like, I mean, I don't think, I don't know 
what other list I would be on with Bobby Wagner or Hunter Schaffer and to be I mean, I think it's awesome. on the same list with it, them. That was pretty cool. Yeah, when I saw that, I was like, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. Like, I don't <laughs> know anybody that's on a Forbes list. And now I like am adjacent to somebody on one. <laughs> yes, yes. No, that, that was super cool. And I, I also thought it was really relevant that over 40% for this time around, the 2020 list, um, 40% of them were, were women. So I was glad to awesome. see that we're growing in our influence as, as we should have long time ago, but it's happening. I, you know, I'm, I'm fully behind um, women in the industry. And a lot of that is based on my upbringing. Um, I have a single mom. So I, like, I push women's stuff as much as I can. And one of the things, and I'll probably have you back, is one of the things I wanted to do is have sort of like, you know, women in the industry and, and really talk from that perspective, because, um, you know, let's be real. There's um, a lot of old white men in this industry. And, <laughs> you don't um, have to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, um, you know, and I, you know, I'm not one of those yet. So I really am trying to help push everyone. Um, no, that's equally, fantastic. That's, that's why I wanted to highlight my wife. I mean, you guys are so creative, so talented that, you should get your say, get your due. So that's super cool that you were a, a part of that list. And, and uh, you know, hopefully maybe in 2021, it's more than 40% and we actually get to. Exactly. A nice, a nice, even, even break. Cause I mean, it's, 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 it's becoming better, which, which is, which is nice, but gosh, it, it should have been fixed a long time ago with the, with the whole me too era coming last year. Yep. It's like, gosh, what year are we living in? How it's is wild. this still happening? I know there's stuff that goes on um, in the news and I mean, we don't have to get into specifics and it just kind of blows my mind because it's like, this is 2020. I don't understand. Like, how do people still think this way? <laughs> and, know. Uh, you know, um, I, but you know, it's interesting. And I had a, a great talk the other day with um, a couple guys on a podcast and they were talking about how they see a lot of movement in the industry of say younger leaders um, that are really pushing for that change. It's like that next wave. Um, mm -hmm. and, and we even talked about how there's external forces, which this ties directly into what you're, you are looking at, but there's external forces that are forcing us to change. Um, and so it's promising to see those, those young leaders start to rise. Oh yes, oh yes. We just gotta see it all the way in the AC industry, in the tech industry, in the venture capital entrepreneurial industry. And it's, it's going to happen. I'm, I'm quite optimistic because even with it within the last, within the last five years, within the last decade, I've, I've seen, I've seen a change. I've seen a transformation and I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm definitely an optimist. No, that's the only way to be. I think I, I teeter sometimes every once in a while, I find myself falling back to a little bit of pessimist only because, you know, you get beat down a lot throughout the times and you're like, no, this is actually going to be great. Um, I, I have high hopes for 2020. Um, so the next thing I kind of want to look at, well, okay, one more thing. I mean, are there things you have to do for this 30, 30 list? I mean, do you have to like actually go somewhere or is it just an honor or are you re like required to go to conferences now or? So it's, it's a few different things. So of course, one, they put you on their magazine that they send out to like hundreds of thousands of people. That's, That's kind of cool. so awesome. <laughs> and just to have your face kind of plastered on that magazine, it's like, yes, I made it to that magazine. Mm -hmm. And every time that happens, I always like to save the, the magazine cutting and 
for anybody that's ever been to my house, they'll, they'll see it on, on my fridge. It's like, oh, that's from there. That's from there. And I, I like awesome. to save those. It's, it's, it's fun, at least for now, um, until the fridge gets way too crowded. And then I'll have to figure out another strategy, uh, which is all fun. <laughs> You've accomplished um, too many things. Your fridge is full. <laughs> uh, uh, it's, it's, I, I hope it's just all, we're just, we're just getting started. Oh, yeah. um, but from, from a 30-30 standpoint, I mean, they, they do that. So that's step one, put, in the, put us in the magazine. There is a, a conference that'll happen in, in 2020. I want to say it's in October. I cannot remember the date. And I think it's in Detroit. And none of it is like, you must do. Mm-hmm. But a lot of it is like, you can if you want, because it's a, it's invite only event, because only should. people <laughs> that made it to it, go to it. And it's a great opportunity to meet other folks and that are, that are leading different aspects of other industries from previous years, from current year. And it's just a really, really awesome event. I mean, I've, I've heard a lot of videos that have been documented about it from the previous events and it sounds quite, quite fantastic. I, I, I feel like I'm definitely going to go this year. So I'm looking forward to that. Outside of that, there's this um, really cool app that, which mm-hmm. is like the, the Forbes 30 under 30 app, which has all of the, uh, the contact details and the, you know, a chat place where you can connect to everybody who's ever been on the 30 under 30 list. So it creates wow. this really awesome network of, of people that you can, that you can rely on. Cause I mean, that, that's what it all really is about in today's day and age. It's about, Hey, who do I know? Who's do, who's passionate about what I'm passionate about, which well, if it's climate change, I hope the whole world, but, <laughs> you know, really, really connecting to all of those people and, and trying to make things happen because that's, that's what we're doing. I think that's amazing. Um, and so you, it was a great lead in with the climate change. So you are, you're the co-founder and CEO of Cove Tool, correct? Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about Cove Tool, just, you know, in a general sense, and then really sort of touch on what was your desire um, to even be a part of starting Cove Tool? I know that you're a fellow Georgia Tech alum, uh, which yeah. is, I love I'm a proud jacket. To, oh, yeah. I love talking to Tech alums. I think we are the best. Um, I, so I'm I think glad so, to too. See, I'm glad <laughs> to see you are representing Georgia Tech and Forbes. But um, touch, talk about Cove Tool. Talk a little bit about, you know, um, I, I keep seeing all these updates, all these things you guys are doing. But, you know, what is it? And really, why did you even want to be a part of starting that? Definitely. So I'll, I'll, I'll get around to that roughly but it'll seem like maybe kind of in a roundabout way but trust me i'm I'm going somewhere with it um (laughs) so the the way that i think about it is that i mean let's face it we're in 2020 and the world is getting warmer and Mm -hmm. we literally have everything at stake um so really if we think about it from 1850s to 1900s we have become 1.8 degree fahrenheit hotter like hotter than we ever used to be. And just the way things currently are with the whole carbon emissions, with with the global, well, global warming, I thought was the outlawed, outlawed word, but with climate change, let's just keep calling it climate change. Um, yeah. We're going to get to an even more dire impact and we can actually limit it by, you know, by not making, by, by not getting to five degrees warmer, but only getting to 2.7 degrees warmer. Mm-hmm. and with buildings that are a really big part of part of that, like 40% of all carbon emissions is caused by buildings. And that's just not something that I can ignore. I was actually an architect originally, and I got interested in simulation just because 
I like to understand and be able to quantify things. And that's really what initially even got me into, into the coding, into simulation, into data and all of that good stuff. But as I started putting more and more things together and started to see how quite how impactful buildings are in the entire climate change discussion, that's really what made me so passionate and to make sure that Cove Tool could handle the challenge that our world was coming into, which mm -hmm. is basically the world is getting warm, sea is going to rise, and we need to do something about it. And buildings are causing 40% of that. So let's at least the thing that I can impact is buildings because I yep. understand those the most. The AC industry is the industry that I'm in love with and I understand the most and it needs the biggest change. And I was like, all right, that's where I'm going to start. And that's really what got me to, to get working on, on Cove Tool. And that we've really made performance modeling so simple and cost optimization so straightforward using Cove Tool that literally every project can now be 40 to 50% more energy efficient, be daylit without having any additional cost. And to me, that was the most critical piece. Again, I live in Georgia. I'm, I understand that, um, you know, there's, there's, enough, there's enough folks here that, you know, don't necessarily either understand or want to agree with uh, climate change, and that's fine. But it's just a matter of, hey, if you can build something that's 40 to 50% more efficient and not have to spend any more dollars on it because you're running this machine learning smart algorithm on it and you don't have to spend one extra dollar, why would you not? And that makes sense to everybody. Yeah, so that's that, always been my argument because it's like, even let's imagine for a second it's all not real. Like, just imagine it's not real what's wrong with this just being a little better? Like, why yeah. not just do Paying things Paying less better? to utilities. I mean, yeah. <laughs> just pay less to your utilities. What's so wrong with that? Be more efficient, pay less to your utilities, have your building daylit, and still build it for whatever you were going to build it in the first place. I mean, 80% of all buildings are over budget, so there's a lot that we can do better. <laughs> I agree. Um, so yeah, I've, I mean, I've seen a lot of stuff. You guys have put a lot of effort into it lately. You, I've even seen you have more um, looking at water consumption, do you not? Or Yeah, we do everything from, so our key focus, like what I just described, the energy and the cost, that was literally what it started as in the bare bones. It was like, okay, we need to make sure that it has energy efficiency and that people don't have to pay more money. And that really caught the eye of developers, right? Because they, they care. Like for yep. instance, we now have JLL using the app and it really does matter to be able to be meeting even whatever the energy codes are that are laid out and be able to do it in the most cost effective way. But as we continued adding more and more things on, because at the end of the day, the building is not, the building decisions in any case are not only driven by energy. It's also how much water would it use, low flow fixtures. Are you using Kohler fixtures versus somebody else? What kind of glass are you using? Is it Firecon, SolarBand, Guardian, whatever, what have you? And what is the visual transmittance? You know, how much light's coming in? How much daylight do you have in the space? All of that collectively determine how comfortable your and, and, and high performance your building is. So now we do energy, cost, daylight, glare, water and we're adding additional components like acoustics so for sound uh, oh, analysis wow. we're adding embodied energy so you can really study your carbon emissions to a whole new degree we're adding um, thermal comfort um, and we continue to add every factor that goes into a building decision making so that 
there really is no excuse to have not good buildings. <laughs> and, and honest, just from like a design perspective, it's, in, it's very visually appealing. Like the reports, the graphs, the, the interface, it's, it's very simple to use. Uh, I'm a huge fan. I've kind of watched from afar. I, I haven't really had the opportunity because I kind of left the industry um, right around the time I was even introduced to it. But yeah. it just, it, I like how it looks also, which I think oh, thank helps. you. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. I think the, the most, um, the, cause I mean, I'm talking to users all day long, right? So I think one of the, the, the thing that really stuck with me is something I heard from a user and they said, this is mind bogglingly easy. I was like, yes, that is exactly what I intended. That and what I noticed is that like now that the software is literally doing everything that it should do, the industry is catching on. Like, I mean, not, not to overstate anything at all. I mean, it's on fire. It's, it's fantastic, which is, which is amazing. I which wondered is that. Everything I, I hoped gonna, for. Yeah, that, no, that is, that's so amazing. I'm so happy for you and you guys, but my, Thank I you. wonder if the, uh, or I wanted to know, do you see more people actually buying into it in the industry? Um, even if it's more just like localized to, you know, where we are here in Atlanta or, I mean, do you start to see a little more traction? You say it's on fire, so I'm guessing you are, but are people finally oh, yeah. kind of buying into it? Oh, definitely. So we now have close to 4,000 active users in the app and they're from all over the country and um, and Canada. So we we support United States and Canada both. And we even have users from places we've never marketed in, like places in Europe, places like Australia, South Africa. We haven't even gone out and marketed there. And they found a way, they went online, they were like, we wanna buy it, can you give us the pricing? And boom, they bought it. It's, it's, become, awesome. it's become so straightforward, which is, which is just so fantastic. And I wanna highlight that with the active users, that's just the number of people that use it every single day. There are so many more people that these 4,000 people are impacting like all of their project teams and all of the owners and all of the buildings, which is, which is quite awesome. And I did pull together a few metrics to throw out because yeah. I, I think it's meaningful. So just in our yearly kind of meeting that we did, like our 2020 planning meeting with our team of 14 um, early, well, two weeks ago, which is basically when the year was getting started, we pulled together some of these metrics. So I got them with me for for our conversation today so in 2019 we offset 570,000 metric tons of carbon emissions which i think is a pretty big deal and to kind of put it in terms that other people who are not energy geeks can understand um that's like eight eighty six thousand truckloads of and these are like semi like giant trucks eighty six thousand truckloads of glacial ice that will get offset from being melted. That's equivalent to taking 121,000 cars off of the road. That's equivalent to 628 million, pound, million um, pounds of burning coal that we're wow. offsetting. That's, That's equivalent amazing. to 9 million trees. So it's a pretty big impact that we made in just 2019 alone. And that's huge. It's, it's, yeah, that, that's just the start. That's what I mean. Oh my gosh. That's, uh, that's awesome. You know, I, uh, and I, I saw this the other day, I don't know if you did, and it kind of ties into people starting to buy into this. Um, are you familiar, and you may have already seen this, 
of BlackRock, the global investment yes. management. Did you see that? Oh, so, yes. I was so, so excited. So for, you know, for everyone listening, um, I guess it was two days ago, three days ago, their CEO, Larry Fink, came out and he said that effectively, and now BlackRock is the world's largest asset manager. Um, and, and I didn't realize this. It's like $7 trillion in investments. Mm -hmm. And they've said that they are now going to effectively, um, well, one, his exact quote was, he was talking about sustainability, was even only a fraction, if only the, a fraction of the science is right today, this is a much more structural long-term crisis. But every single investment decision they make is going to be based on environmentally sustainable exactly. concepts, and that's going to be at their core. I think that's and amazing because that's going to change how um, investments work. Oh, it, entirely. And I, I have to say that even, even when we raised our round I definitely felt that there were so many funds um, that were so excited about our mission. I mean, of course, all the numbers have to work. Everything else has to work. But there were so many funds who bought into the vision, who understood the vision and who wanted to make that difference. It was really exciting to see. I mean, if you think about it, a good bit of those funds are in California, right? We're talking the Valley or yep. LA. And the LA, I mean, they were, they've been having their you know, blackouts, they better get a hold of this. And even in the Valley, I mean, the energy codes are so tight that they are really, really even more so aware than, you know, folks in Atlanta. So I really do think that it's this, this it's caught on, which is much needed. I thought that was such a promising article um, because it, it's reached outside of, you know, maybe the, I mean, this would impact the buildings, but when you start putting things like that in perspective of, hey, I'm going to judge all my investments based on your sustainability risk, that's, that's a huge exactly. step forward. That, that's a huge step forward. And I know that, and I'm, I'm quite certain that within 2020, 2021, and as, as, the, as we kind of move into this decade, there's going to be a whole lot more of this because at the end of the day, what, what business is safe if there's no no climate or earth to support it all the natural disasters that are going to continue to be caused at a much more higher rate and the risk that it comes with it's just not even economically feasible forget everything else if we don't have a safe reliable place to operate it just doesn't even make sense i couldn't agree more um and that's why i was so excited to kind of get you involved um you know one to highlight just you and cove tool but really bring that perspective of sustainability um, you know, we think about it, we keep saying, and a lot of people even say, oh, of course I'm sustainable. And it's like, well, are you, <laughs> I mean, do you let the water run the whole time you're brushing your teeth? Like, are you really thinking about whatever you can do? And sometimes, and I, and I'm curious if this happens on a larger scale, but you'll hear people say, oh, well, you know, what little bit I do, that's not going to make a big impact. But if everyone has that attitude, then we're going nowhere. So like every firm, no matter how small, if their attitudes will like, I'm just doing a, a post office. What could I possibly have to impact? You know, exactly. how many post offices are there? So it's like everyone should adopt this type of thought. Oh, it's like a big difference. I mean, if you think about even not like not the largest office building, let's say like a really standard, I don't know, maybe like a 10,000 square foot office building. It's not large, right? It's a very normal square footage. Like making that more energy efficient is like planting 40,000 trees every single year for as long as the office building is 
in operation. Like every little bit counts, especially in buildings. My gosh, I cannot stress it enough. And the more I talk to people, because again, we now have so many firms that use CoveTool and there's so many other firms that we've even spoken to. And part of the message is, of course, you know, this is the way to do it. But the, the broader message is that I don't care how you do it, you gotta do it because every little bit counts. Well, and eventually, um, like any adoption, you don't want to be the laggard in terms of sustainability. Because one, I mean, there's like a huge impact on what it's doing to the overall climate. But eventually, you're going to have other um, people like Larry Fink, where they make all their decisions based on your sustainability risk. So if you wait until then to say, oh, man, we really should start looking at this. (laughs) you're already going to lose out to your competitors, to you know, oh, yeah. your supplier, you know, other people making those materials. So it's like, there's no better time than right now to start thinking about it. And, and that's actually true. Like there's so many firms that actually use CoveTool and CoveTool's analysis in their project pursuits and they share data with us. So we actually have recorded data. So they have actually increased their profits by 4% on average. And I think that's a pretty big deal. Just yeah. even from a pure data standpoint, it's like, you don't even have to care about sustainability. Let's say you think sustainability isn't real. That's fine. Do you want to make 4% more profit? Well, this is the way the world is going, so you better catch on. And I think another thing that's really, really exciting as well is, of course, the, the regulation and the energy codes. No matter what happens in the, in the federal, every single state, including Georgia, we're becoming more and more energy efficient just as the minimum regulation. So, for instance, mm-hmm. this year we went from the 2007 code to the 2013 code, which basically is 40% more efficient. So, any building that gets built this year versus last year has to be 40% more energy efficient just for it to be legal to be put into the ground. And I think that's really exciting as well. So, it's, it's a really exciting mix of regulation with technology, with initiative, with vision that is helping push the whole conversation forward at a really rapid pace. It, it, it's great to be a part of it um, because, you know, I do think we will be making a, a positive impact moving forward. Uh, it kind of goes back to that whole young leaders and, you know, everyone, I think a lot of us just recognize that, Hey, we have to do this. We have to, um, actually participate and I was actually trying to look up here I uh there's several places so you you talked about just like the local codes what people are adopting and I was doing some research for an internal thing where we were looking at um the the residential market like the home home builders market and a couple things that I actually came across that I thought was interesting was that Um, One, the AIA 2030 commitment. So the AIA came out and they really wanted to support the 2030 challenge um, where, you know, so we're prioritizing our energy performance. And what we're really trying to do is work towards that carbon neutral um, buildings, development, everything. But what I thought was interesting is there are places like in California where they're sort of saying, hey, by 2025, I think they wanted all of their residential market to be um, net zero. So we're seeing a lot of just change. I think the AIA commitment is a huge thing. It's not oh, just... it makes a big difference because that, that impacts every firm, not just the large ones, every single, even the three-person shop. Yep. It impacts them because they're all AIA members and reporting to it. And CoveTool actually ties directly into 2030. So everybody can literally, without having to spend even a dollar more, can be competitive with the 
with the largest firm out there and be like, yeah, my buildings are 60% more efficient. What about you, large firm? How efficient are your buildings? And I think that's, that's pretty exciting to get that kind of leadership from AIA as well. I think it's a huge, it's a huge thing because um, like you said, now it's not just the ones that truly believe in it. In a way, everyone's kind of going to have to follow along. So you really want to be educated and, and adopt it. I, uh, 20, it's interesting because when 2030 challenge came out, I don't even, you probably know when it came out. I don't remember. It, it did like maybe, maybe about, it almost feels like a decade ago, but it could have been less, less, um, less recent or more recent than that. That's what I, I was wondering. I don't recall. I think I was in college. So I, I got my master's. I've been about out of school almost 10 years now. I think I was still at tech and it came out and it seems so far away. 2030. Oh my it, gosh. Yeah. It, it felt, it was definitely, it sounds like I, I really do recall it being about a decade ago. It really, at that point, it was like, Oh, we'll get to it. We got time. Not oh, yeah. So and much. so that was going to be my question is like in the, in the moment you're thinking, of course, we're going to make that. That's silly. And now you sit here and we're 10 years away and I think we're better, but you know, are we going to, I mean, assuming we didn't have to make it, are we going to make it? Are you seeing enough push in the industry to actually get to that? Or is that just like this lofty goal we put out 20 years ago and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, if we get there, we'll get there. I mean, you know, what's Definitely. your thought? Are we going to hit it? Well, I have, I have a few thoughts about it. I think the one thing that I have seen, so for instance, even as of two years ago, AIA put out another metric, how many of buildings even consider energy before getting built. And that number was under 50%. And I know with technology like Cove Tool, that number has been rising swiftly. So I think the step, step one at that point was, hey, we're going to meet this 2030 goal. Within the last maybe three, four years, the goal has more become, hey, let's at least start reporting it so we can see how far off we are. Because at the end of the day, we cannot improve what we do not know. And unfortunately, most firms are still at the point where they don't even know how far or close they are from the 2030 goal. But that's really starting to change. What I do think is what, is what will happen is within the next two years, we'll get to a point where many of the firms have a pretty good sense of how far they are and will start making a whole lot more changes to their workflow mm -hmm. to get closer to the 2030 goal. Just the way things currently stand, I still think it's a reach goal. I don't think we'll actually be able to be net net carbon neutral for every single project that gets built by 2030. But what I do know is that will be a whole lot closer to it than we were when we started it or even as we are now. So like even right now, there's very few carbon neutral projects, right? You see you, the ones that are, you read about them in, in Arc Daily or you read about them in the Architect Magazine. You basically read about the, the, few, the few projects that are carbon neutral. What I do see happening is that as we keep moving and pushing forward to that goal alongside regulation, alongside mission, alongside competition, all of that good stuff, those projects will become a whole lot more common and we'll mm -hmm. all be talking about carbon neutrality, just like, hey, that's, that's just what's going to happen, that, hey, if I have a building, it's going to be low energy and then I'm going to put some photovoltaic panels or offset the energy some other way. And I do think that that's going to become a norm and it would probably still take a few years after that to make sure that we're doing that for every single building. So I, do, I am optimistic that it will, it is driving a really, really significant change and it's pushing mm -hmm. us all in the right direction. 
I, I don't know. I, I mean, I could be naive and say that, yes, we're going to achieve it in, in the, to, to be optimistic, but realistically, I, I think, I think we, have, we have some work to do. Well, even a little progress is better than no progress. So keeping track, even if you're, you know, even if you're not hitting anything, if you at least know like how far off you are is huge. And I mean, if every firm made like a 10% decrease, I mean, that alone is a big deal. Oh yeah. Um, Then we go from buildings contributing to 40%, from 40% to to 30%. And I mean, it's not like we have unlimited amount of time, just the way the the climate change is happening. Mm -hmm. But I do know that the the harder we push and the more we achieve, um, the closer we will be to making sure that our, our children, grandchildren all have a a world to, to be in. And I the hate to that, put it in such dire terms, but it just is what it is. No, it's a real deny thing. It. It's a real thing. Cause uh, my wife and I are, we actually are expecting in a couple in like almost a month now. And uh, Oh wow. You, congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. And so you, we, you think about those things, things I didn't think about before. I mean, maybe she did. I, I never really thought about my, my kids when I was 22 years old and what world they were going to live in. So it now is a lot more real. So um, anything I can help to do to keep pushing forward is, is super critical. You know, we were talking about different buildings and, and whatnot. Uh, and normally they're the much larger buildings. And I wanted to ask, and I guess you probably have, but have you seen or have you been to Georgia Tech's Candetta building? I have, yes. It's fantastic. We were actually involved um, with, with some, of the, the, some of the initial work that was done in the building, which is really, really exciting. That's and awesome. the, the key architects that worked on it, Miller Hall, and the mm-hmm. engineers that worked on it, Newcomb and Boyd, they're, they're all, they all use Cove tools. So it's really, really exciting to see it spread to, to all the, the leading edge people <laughs> I, I thought the building was so cool we went down um my a couple colleagues and myself went down to look at it and you know did the little tour and I, it makes it makes me so proud when i go to georgia tech i mean georgia oh, yeah. tech's so different than when i was there now i mean like i said it's now, georgia tech's and... incredible they have shown so much leadership in sustainability i I have to say that with so many buildings that have used uh, performance-driven design as part of their project, they're constantly redefining what that means and what they can achieve within the limits of, you know, whatever is possible, which is really, really exciting. It's so proud to be a a yellow jacket. There's that one building, I I don't remember what the building was, but they basically daylit that creek right beside it. Um, And it kind of meanders through a bunch of trees. And when you're standing there looking at it, you totally forget you're in the city. Um, it's one of the, like the nicest places on campus, I think, because you just feel just in nature, you know, the way they did that building and how they're actually pulling water mm-hmm. and using it to create straight. Oh, the EBB. Yes. Yeah, that one. Um, the e- you forget yeah. you're in a, you forget you're in downtown Atlanta. It's no, like I, I always love said, EBB. If you don't look up, you don't see it. And, and I don't know if you know this, but at least until, until a couple of years ago, I was a big Papa John's pizza fan. And, <laughs> um, you know, you just buy, because right across EVB, there's like a Papa John's on 10th yep. Street and it's been and there State forever. Street. Yeah, on State Street, exactly. And it's been there forever, right? Um, and me and my, uh, my husband, we used to buy that pizza from Papa John's and go across the street to EVB and sit, in, sit next to all the, all the buy swills and, and eat, our, eat our cheap, five dollar pizza and have the best time ever 
it's it's great down there um and, and like you said they, they're doing so many amazing things and, and really pushing innovation being a leader not just in innovation but sustainability um so i'm always proud to be a jacket talk to fellow jackets the oh, yeah. um it, you know we're, as we kind of start to wrap up a little bit i mean are there any sort of like parting words i mean where do you see us going i mean we talked about the 2030 challenge but you know what what do you see is in store for you and cove tool and just sustainability for 2020 definitely I, I see a lot of a lot of excitement like i know from our end we're actually at the point where not only architects and engineers but we have contractors and real estate developers i mean scanska is using cove tool we literally have every piece of the every piece of the decision making um power that's using cove tool to make sure that their decisions are are well informed and are optimized for energy and cost and daylight and all the other good stuff that I, 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 I am really, really excited. And I also see a lot of manufacturers that are starting to, to get listed on the platform as well. Like they'll reach out all the leading companies that, Hey, we want our products to be listed on Cove tool because we make sustainable products and, you know, architects are picking these project products. Engineers are picking these products because they are meeting the requirements. So I think there's a, there's an industry wide shift in not only, using better decisions and design workflows and all that, but also just moving the whole industry, the products that are getting made, making more of certain kinds of products versus another kind of product and just what is being needed in the industry. And I, I see a really positive growth towards that. I'm, I'm optimistic about 2020. And I mean, for me, it's, it's really something quite special when you spend a long time dreaming about making something happen and then to use every ounce of your energy and passion and persistence to go out and try to make it into a reality and then to actually see it come to life and, and see the difference that it's making in the world. And I want to continue seeing that in 2020 and the next, the next decade. I'm quite excited about that. Uh, this was a, this was a great talk. I really am very thankful you wanted to join me today. Uh, I'm sure, I, or I want to continue to stay in touch. I'm sure we can come up with other topics to talk about uh, even just, your entrepreneurial spirit and being a woman in the industry, all of those things, I'm sure we can, we can find some great topics. I, uh, and, um, I mean, do we, awesome. do you, do you see yourself? I mean, so Cove tools here and is, do you already have ideas for that next company you're going to start or you haven't got there Oh yet? gosh, I'm going <laughs> to solve climate change first. Okay, then yeah. we'll talk about the next one. <laughs> well, I wish you very, a whole lot of luck. Um, like I said, I'm here to always help push things forward. Uh, awesome. Thank you. Thankful. I appreciate that. It really does take everybody. It takes folks like you, folks like me, every, every single person to make that one, one better decision and then the next better decision and then the next better decision. That's all we can we're going to make it happen. For. You know, I, I've wanted to, uh, I mentioned this at the Design Next event with Michael Hodge and told him I would love for this podcast in a way, and really all podcasts like this sort of serve as that platform for people like yourself, people that were at that event who just want to see us, you know, move forward. And so I'm really, right. glad to spotlight you here and have you on. Fantastic. Thanks so much. I, I, I'm glad to be on this. Well, that's it, everybody. I uh, hope you enjoyed listening to Sandeep. She was uh, a pleasure to talk to, had such great insight, and is really a force in the industry, a force in terms of sustainability, and uh, it's going to be exciting to see where she goes from here. Uh, keep following us. Check us out on 
wherever you find podcasts. Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. I don't even know what Stitcher is, but I guess I need to find out. Uh, Podbean, that was a new one for me too. Uh, But anywhere, anywhere you listen to podcasts, come find us, like us, give us as many stars as you can. That helps us, and uh, always stay tuned. I have a special guest coming up in a couple weeks, and it's going to be very exciting to see what they have to say. See you later, everyone.